to God. First Samuel chapter 3 this morning, and I'll read a few verses. Now, we're going to cover probably quite a bit of ground, and uh, maybe I could have made a series just out of this first uh, thought, is teaching children to listen to the voice of God. That being very important, teaching children. Verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 3 says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Now, if you're a Bible marker, uh, you can mark that in your Bible, that he ministered unto the Lord. And he ministered in the house of the Lord as a child. Uh, you're never too young to serve God. You're never too young to have a part. And as you see around here, I have uh, the young men taking up the offerings. Uh, they, they do things around here, uh, and, and they mow grass. Uh, Christopher does. He's, uh, I got youth in the sound booth. Uh, Christopher, he, he does a pretty good job with that sound booth back there. And, and it's good. Uh, I, I would like to see young Leakin, he's 13 now, begin to maybe work on doing announcements and getting him involved in grooming him. Uh, and, and so they're comfortable ministering. That word minister means to render aid to in the house of the Lord or unto the Lord. It's for the Lord. And he says, before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious, in those days there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord and where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran. You can underline that if you would like to. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou shalt callest me, for thou callest me. And he said, I called thee not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Now let us pray this morning. Ask God to bless the message and let us apply it to our lives. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, uh, uh, help us as I begin to try to preach what you've put on my heart. But Lord, let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Lord, help us to be able to see the things that were written aforetime. They're written for our learning. And help us to teach our children and our grandchildren 
to listen to the voice of God. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. In my introduction, I want to declare that in life or in anything that we do in life, training is needed before a person is fit to fulfill their duties, they must be trained. This agrees with by the Bible. The Bible says there in Proverbs 22, verse 6, he says to train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. The main job of a child is to learn. The main job of the parent is to provide training to prepare that child for life as an adult. Now, I said a mouthful there. One of your jobs as a parent is that you train your children how to do adult life. We were talking about a little bit about that in Sunday school class, about some of the things my father uh, done uh, and how he trained me and some of the things that in the moment I thought might have been cruel because I was viewing it from a childish standpoint. That now, as little as a principle as it was, helped set the direction of my life. I also believe that there's many parents that are not giving their children proper training in the home. Uh, the attitude is, this is my precious. And mothers, and, and ladies don't take this the wrong way, but you're control freaks. Mothers are control freaks. And because they can't control daddy, <laughs> they begin to control every aspect of a child's life. Not to train them to be an adult but as they're precious and it becomes an obsession and they fall in love with their children. And I didn't say don't love your children, but to the point that you ruin them for future life. And we have an epidemic. We have an epidemic of young men, Samuel being a young man that was not trained, uh, young men in this country not trained how to provide for a family, what it means to be an adult, how to think like an adult, how to put away childish things. We got problems. And a lot of that has to do with training. So the main job of a child is to learn. A child learns to crawl. A child learns to stand. A child learns to walk. A child learns to talk, and he learns the alphabet, and they learn to read. A child should learn to obey, and then do things themselves. And a child should learn to think. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm giving you a direct command from God in Ephesians chapter 6, about verse 4. And ye uh, uh, fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I had committed that verse to memory many years ago. And uh, it's funny how you think you learn or know the definitions to words. But I begin to meditate on that, bringing children up in the nurture and admonition. 
That word nurture means to care for, to provide uh, food protection, a place to live, to help a person develop and be successful. That's what the word nurture means. But then we get into this, well, how do I nurture? Well, you do it by admonition. Now, that word, admonition, means authoritative counsel. That's what that means. It means it will include discipline and training and corporal punishment for wrong actions. That is a direct command in your Bible to a father who should be the head of his household. And by the way, fathers don't send their kids to church. They bring them. They bring them. And they make sure that they're there. And here's why. One day... The voice of the Lord is going to speak because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you've not had them, what better place to hear the voice of God than in church? That's where I first heard the voice of God as a six-year-old boy. He called to me. And because I had been taught about the Lord, I'd been taught where God was and where the devil was. I'd been taught right from wrong. I'd been taught responsibility. When the Lord come knocking that first Sunday in June, I responded. You know, there's a story that goes along with that. I was thinking about sharing it in the invitation, but I'm going to share it now. My father and mother, and and and. I'm telling this from a child's perspective, from a child's memory. I'm 52. I got saved when I was six. So I'm going back over 40 years. But this is how I remember it. My mom and dad, dad got home out of the army. He come home and they moved to Florida. Now, I'd have been a toddler probably. I, the, the scene I remember was standing up in the back of that car as we were headed to Florida, had no car seats, watching my little Lassie dog, I had a little border collie, Lassie dog chasing behind the car. That's the only thing I remember of that scene. My next scene that I begin to remember is uh, they're living in Florida uh, on a piece of property in a trailer, and my dad making improvements and working there. And, of course, they were away from God. Dad was working. Mom was working. Mom was a respiratory technician in an emergency room. Dad uh, was learning a trade there as plastering. Both of them working. I was growing, uh, you know, going to the daycare and all that stuff. But church was not in the equation. All of a sudden, one evening, a preacher knocks on the door. Preacher from the church in the area. And, of course, mom and dad invited him in. And he began to sit down on the couch. And I remember this because I was sitting on the fireplace that my dad had built and had put brick, cut stucco brick on that fireplace. I was sitting on the mantel. Of course, I'd been taught how to behave when company come over. So I was being seen and not heard. I was being quiet. And that preacher began to witness to my mom and dad. And I remember mom and dad saying, well, we're saved. We're born again. We're just not in church. We're down here living the American dream. I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what was said. But I remember my father telling me that that preacher looked over at me and pointed his finger and says, 
What about him? Is he saved? What are you doing for him? Has he had an opportunity to learn about Jesus? Has he had an opportunity to hear the Lord speak to his, his heart? And I remember my father telling me that that got a hold of him. Dad had, he was saved, he was born again. Mom was born again, but my, but I wasn't. You know what? It wasn't too much longer after that. Mom and dad were in church. I remember that being a church that was in a modular home or trailer, a church in a trailer. It was kind of like what we got behind this church. And so we had the seats set up and we was having church. Dad began to get involved on visitation, actually won a prize uh, for the most visitors showing up. He won a red uh, a Bible. It was, has a red cover on it and it is a Schofield Bible. He still has that Bible. I remember that. I remember some time when uh, passed and they moved back to Indiana. My father was filling his car up with gas and a man come up to him at the gas station with a gospel track. His name was Brother Bruce McDowell. And he says, hey, I would like to give you a gospel track and ask you, have you been born again? And my father said, well, yeah, I'm saved. I'm born again. And actually moved back into the area, kind of grew up here, and looking for a church. And Brother Bruce says, you can come to my church. That was Mount Hope Baptist Church. So we went. Brother Jack Grigsby was the pastor. Sister Joy Grigsby was his wife. They was there. It's a church set up like this, not quite this big. Begin to go there, and all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to my heart, and I got saved. You see, that's why it's important to bring your children to church, to the house of God. It's why it's important that they come to Sunday school class, because why would you deny them that opportunity to hear the voice of God? And then God later working in my life and calling me to pastor preach to pastor and now I'm here pastoring in ministry all because a preacher come by on a Thursday evening and says I got you you're saved you're born again but what about him you know we can't forget about the children it's important how we raise them I figured I'd share that with you to get you to think about the future you don't know who you're raising one of your children could be the next great evangelist i don't know christopher could get called to a mission field win thousands of people to the lord maybe lincoln could be a, the next great speaker before the lord takes you don't know maybe one of these young ladies would be uh, the next pastor's wife and do great things and become a great teacher but we're denying them that opportunity to listen to the voice of God. That admonition means authoritative counsel. And you as a parent are going to be one of two kinds of parents. You're going to be a passive parent. Or you're going to be an authoritative parent. And this Bible tells you to be an authoritative parent. Admonition. That's how you to be. I didn't say authoritative dictator. That's where the child has no voice at all. I said authoritative. Somebody has to be in charge. 
And because you're the adult in the situation, it should be you. Not your kids. You're supposed to be training them and nurturing them. They've not lived enough life to make right decisions. What I'm saying is Samuel did not by chance become a great prophet for the Lord. He had been trained up. And so this morning, I want to quickly look at his mother... His mother was Hannah. And if we was in chapter 1, we would begin to see that Hannah was Samuel's mother. And they, one, did not have a dysfunctional home. They were married and Hannah wanted children. And Hannah could not have children. And so she began to pray. You would find her being a praying mother. And she was praying in the house of God. She knew how to use the altar to get a hold of God. And Eli, the type of a preacher, he was a priest, was watching there. Hannah had identified her home in her own. Now I'm going to give a little marriage counsel. You be listening. Wives, you need to identify your role. And then you need to assume that role. A wife, look at the Bible. The Bible tells you what a wife is supposed to be. Identify that role, what God told you to do, and then assume that role. Men, you need to identify your role as a man, as a husband, and then assume that role, that's your responsibility. Matter of fact, in chapter 1, you'll see that Elkanah, who was Hannah's husband, Looked like he was doing some cooking because he was doling out the portions there on the table. Now, I don't want to read too much into that because then Jen will have me cooking all the meals. I don't want that to happen. I got my bread buttered on both sides. I like it just like that with a little apple butter, nice and smooth. You know, I don't want to disrupt that. But my point is, the Bible says he provided her her portion. So men, you need to assume your role. You need to identify that role, then assume it. Hannah then promised to give this child back to God. That's important, ladies. You want a child? Then you need to be on the altar praying. But if you've got a dysfunctional home or a dysfunctional marriage, you might need to get that straightened out first. And then get back to praying to God for a child. So she was a praying mom. But in chapter 1, verse 3, mom and dad there in verse 3 of chapter 1, they were both church-going people. But then we need to see the child Samuel when he was born. There in chapter 2, verse 18, we see that Samuel begins to minister before the Lord. I'm telling you, children are never too young to minister in the house of God. I don't care how, they, if they can walk and they can carry a penny bucket, they can minister. Our problem is we get too big of a hurry on a Sunday morning and we don't want to suffer the little children. We don't want to make room for the little children in the house of God. That's a sin. We need to let them minister. And you'll find Samuel beginning to be trained and come into the house of God. And he ministered. That means render aid to others. 
But then he says he grew before the Lord. It's been wonderful to see Christopher and Cheyenne. Christopher was four, Cheyenne was three when we first come down here. Look at them now. I've watched them grow up in the house of the Lord. I don't want the devil to snatch them from us. I want to see them continue to grow, to minister before the Lord in the house of God. Boy, that's my prayer. And we're going to have to fight the devil pretty hard because the devil sure makes that world and sin so attractive. This child Samuel was in favor with the Lord and God's word, we see here in chapter 3, God's word. He had been taught that God's word, the Bible, is precious. Let me tell you something, moms. When your kids come home complaining that the Sunday school teacher said they need to be packing a Bible to church, you need to listen to that and make sure they got their Bibles when they come to the house of God because the word of God is precious. And that takes training. Today's kids want to roll the pages up and smoke dope with it because they've not been trained. It's not right. Samuel just didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'll be a prophet. He had been worked with. He had been put in the house of God. He had been allowed to minister and been to grow up in the house of God. Some of y'all not bringing your kids to enough church to even make a difference. They get five days a week in the world's philosophy and anything else you throw at them. And I only get them for a few minutes on a Sunday morning. Parents, it's going to take more than that or you'll lose them. Now, I want to give you a couple things on the training of Samuel. And it shows up right here in the text. And you parents that are raising children, you have moms and dads that are here. You need to listen to your moms and dad. They'll have good advice. And why is because they'll have seen in your life where they might have made mistakes and that there could be room for improvement and they'll want to give you good counsel. And moms and dads, you need to listen to that counsel. They'll spare you a lot of misery. The training. Samuel had been trained, number one, to have an outward focus. Now, this is important when it comes to training children. This is actually, and I, I hesitate to use this analogy because I don't want you to think I'm, I'm, I'm calling your kids animals. I, I'm not in no way. But when you study uh, how to train animals like a dog or a horse, you have to teach them to focus on you, the teacher. As you have children... You will never teach that child anything until you have their attention. They need to be trained. Now, the word training is different than education. And by the way, while I'm on this education, the school system is not responsible for your children's education. That's a problem in this country. You as the parent are responsible for that education. 
And it's not the teacher's fault. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to write. They don't know nothing about the alphabet. And yes, the school has a problem. They need to be teaching them how to read, how to write. Math and science and history. Instead of all this other nonsense they're teaching. But you have allowed it as parents. Because you weren't involved. You have no idea what's being taught in their school, in their classroom. But the God will hold you, the parent, responsible for that child's education. Now, education's one thing. Training's different. Training is hands-on. Training is where you literally take that child and begin to work with them. It's a very frustrating process. Here's the way I can explain it. Remember when you was teaching your kids how to eat with a fork? Mm made messes, you was constantly guiding their hands. That's called training. And you've got to be patient and long-suffering, but eventually they will get it. It's hands-on work, and it's exhausting work. I'd rather work outside the home, work a job any day of the week, than stay at home training kids. I can't handle it. And at 52 years old, I still can't handle it. I climb in the walls. Get me out of here. I love kids. But it is exhausting work. Hats are off to moms and mimis. But it's hard work. It has to be done. But the, what I'm saying is you need to teach your children and grandchildren how to have an outward focus. That their attention should be on you. Look with me in verse 5. The Lord calls. Samuel hears his name called. Did you note that when Samuel heard his name called, he wasn't laying in bed saying, Yeah, what do you want, Eli? Did you catch that? It's not there in the text, is it? You know, uh, when, when, when God called Eli, or when God called Samuel, Samuel didn't say, What? I don't have my phone on me. What? What? Oh, that's a spanking offense, man. What you're doing when you allow that in your home is you're teaching your child not to have an outward focus. They won't hear nobody's voice because they won't hear you. This had been taught to Samuel to have an outward focus. Here's how my father taught me. I got about 12, about 13. I loved the outdoors because I didn't want to do chores inside the house. And so anytime I had a chance to sneak off, I did. And Dad would allow me that a little bit. And Dad, I said, well, how far can I go? Dad said, you can go as far as you can hear me whistle for you. And I can whistle pretty loud. But if I whistle, and I whistle the second time, if I got to whistle for you the third time, it's three whacks with this paddle. Now, I'll let you figure out how far that is. Man, that's mean. That's where I also learned how to run fast. Because Dad was not real patient. Many times, I knew he was getting close to that third whistle. Boy, I was running. You know what that taught me? No matter what you're doing, Todd... You be listening for your name to be called. You want to know why? Because dad taught me, you are with me. 
I'm not with you. Samuel had learnt, his mother had taught him that he was with her, she was not with him. You say, how do you know that? Because as soon as he heard his name called, he said, and he ran. You better run. I like what Sister Emily said, and I told you all, be careful sharing with me good stuff because I'll steal it. I might give you credit, I might not. She says, delayed obedience is disobedience. She said her parents taught, did you all teach her that? Delayed obedience is disobedience. You know what? That's right. That's right. Oh, I could go into some stories. My mom. Tad! The trash needs to... I can turn into the hawk when I hear that. Let me tell you something. My dad better not have heard my mom tell me twice. You know what he was teaching me? You're with me. I'm not with you. Number two, you need to be listening for my voice. You know what that was teaching me? One day God was going to call and I needed to be having an outward focus and to be able to hear someone calling my name. Our kids have been taught to have such an inward focus. If you don't believe me, go on Facebook. You got 15 selfies of yourself in five minutes. You and your bad self and every little thing you do. That is called autonomy. That is called inward focus. That's lovers of self what it is i didn't say facebook bad but i'm saying this inward focus and you won't they even write songs you can't tell me nothing i won't tell you where i heard that it wasn't listening to the radio it was somebody's little child singing it for me word for word and the dance that went with it i won't name names it was cute as all get out And yes, by the way, she tells everything. (laughs) All of them do. (laughs) Oh, I get that pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. And really? Oh, oh, no. Oh, I'm careful. But Samuel had been taught to have an outward focus. His mother taught him that He was with her, she was not with him, to listen for his name to be called, to come when he's called, to come quickly when he's called. That's simple, ain't it? But it has a big impact later in life. And I'll say it again, if you don't have the attention of a child, you will not teach them anything. But she also told him and taught him to have an outward service. Did you see that in verse 5 where he ran and said, here am I. He didn't just show up. What? What? Oh, that attitude right there. Get to your room right now. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't show. That's called rebellion. That's called rebellion. And you got to learn to catch it when it's little because you can't hardly deal with it when it's 16 it's too late 
I'll tell you this, you can't hardly deal with it when it's 13. The mind's already set. You're just going to have to ride that one out. And think to yourself, you trained it up in the way that it should go. You trained it by allowing it to get away with that. Oh, I think we've ruined more kids than we've helped. You see, she taught him to have an outward service. He had been taught proper perspective on his existence. He had a purpose. He had a job. If you look down in verse 15, and Samuel lay under the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Did you catch that? He didn't get up and open the doors of the house of God after the 15th time Eli called him. Let me tell you how my dad took care of that. If he had to call you twice, he was coming up. He was going to introduce you to what a silverback gorilla could do <laughs> and why they're always dominant. <laughs> you say, that's cruel. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, when that alarm clock goes off in the, every morning, <laughs> I, I, I still have mental pictures of my bed being turned over. You got to go to work. You have a purpose. You have a job to do. You were not brought into this world to be a bump on the log and to play video games all day long and eat Hot Pockets. You know I'm telling the truth. Oh, my. He had been taught and trained that he had a purpose, a job to serve others. He had chores. Moms. Dads, it's okay for your children to have chores. And you give them chores, and then you hold their feet to the fire that they make sure they do them, that you don't get frustrated with trying to train them, and then you come in and do it while they're playing on their video game. Let me tell you where that goes, mommies. I've had three or four phone calls this week either from grandmas, moms, or wives that said, my husband is a bum. What do I do? He sits on the couch all day long playing video games. He goes to work, comes home, plays a video game, locks himself up in his own world. He won't give me a dime to run the household. And I'm trying to raise three kids, four kids. I don't know what to do. I said... Giving the big D. And I don't mean Dallas. And I said, run him right in front of the judge. I promise you, he'll learn how to pay his fair share. You want to know why that's going on? Because mommies, while they're raising their sons, son, you need to clean your room. Son, you need to get up for school. Son, you need to clean your room. She gets frustrated, so she comes in. She cleans it instead of arguing with him, instead of holding his feet to the fire, instead of getting his daddy on the phone, said, you need to get home and deal with this. She does it for him, does his laundry, cooks all the meals, does his homework, does everything, and then when he's an adult, he doesn't know what ends up. And he's 40 years old, sitting on a couch, playing a video game, and he doesn't think he has to owe for nothing. I'm telling you, he was trained that way. And he was trained that way for two simple things. He was not ever taught that you're with me, I'm not with you. You need to be listening to the voice of others. 
31 years have been married. My ears in tune to the voice of Jenny woman, Jenny darling. <laughs> Brother Terry says, I can tell you how to get hold of him. Just cut his food ration. Oh, and Brother Terry, I wish you wouldn't have told her that. <laughs> I was taught to be listening for the needs of others. I was taught that I had a purpose and I had a job to do as a man, as a boy. God allowed you to be a boy. And because you're a boy, and there was never no confusion on that in my home growing up. How do I know I'm a boy, Daddy? It's a valid question. Because of your plumbing. Oh. You know what that means? No, that means you're going to work for the rest of your days. So get used to it. But I had a job to do. He was taught to pull his weight. If you're eating food, you ought to be able to pull your weight. My grandpa and my dad, they weren't much for having anything around that couldn't pull its weight. All of us kids, I hate goats. Why? Because one of my job was to milk a goat. That was one of my chores in the morning. For You say, oh, did that make you hate everything? No. It was teaching me that just because you got to go to work, you got work to do at the house. Come on. Goat's udders are different than cow's udders. Cow's udders are warm. Goat's udders are not. They're cold. And like that. Hands froze. But it taught me. I sure like the milk, though. Because I had a milk allergy. But I was not allergic to goat's milk. Mom says, not a problem. I love you a whole lot, son. Now get out there and milk the goat. You want milk. <laughs> Mom did not smother us boys. Had been taught... Some morning chores. Eli did not have to drag him out of bed. Oh, if my mom had to call us twice to get up for school. Homeschooling's not for everybody. If you're homeschooling, kids need to be on a schedule. We, we were up by seven. You get your clothes on. You're not coming in there to do schoolwork in your jammies. You get up, get your clothes on, get your faces washed, get your chores done, get in here and sit down at the kitchen table because you're doing school. And if you won't, you don't want me to call your daddy. Uh-uh. We were great students. Didn't have to be drug out of bed. I guarantee his mother no doubt had given him chores to do and then held his feet to the fire to make sure they got... This was a child that had just been weaned. Four or five. It's not too early. It's not too early. These little lessons got to be taught. Taught him how to be honest. Do not let your children get away with lying. To be honest, Eli calls him out in verse 18. He said, he, he, said, he said, look, you tell me everything that God told you. And he said, and he told him every wit. He was, let me, let me tell you something else. Let me hit this and I got to go. I got to quit. There's a, there's a third problem. So number one, teach your kids their focus needs to be on you, not you them. 
Number two, teach them they have purpose. They, have, they need to have an outward service. It's about others, not themselves. Number three, you need to teach them how to communicate. We have an epidemic. You know what the biggest problem in marriages are? No communications. Somebody gets confronted or their hand called on something, they sit there like... Let me tell you something you know why that's like that in adults because mommies and daddies when they ask their child why'd you do that they didn't wait for a response or they allowed the child to walk away and do whatever it's wanted or they got frustrated started hollering and screaming at them and they never had the answer and now as an adult when something don't go right or they do something stupid and somebody asks them they just look I don't know it's not an answer if you had enough wherewithal to make a decision and to act upon it, there has to be a premise to it. And what was it? He had been taught how to communicate. Read a book by Paul Chappell on uh, raising children. And he had three boys. I think he's got more than just three children. But he said two of the boys were easy, but the third boy. He turned out to be a great person, but he was a little harder Every child's a little different. And he said he asked him a question, and he didn't want to answer. So Brother Paul Chapel tells in this book, he said, I took him to a 24-hour diner, set him down in a booth, and said, now, son, you're going to answer me. He said, we're going to sit here all night until you give me an answer for your actions. He said, I didn't intimidate him. I didn't push him. He said, we've sat there for two hours in silence, him looking at me. Me looking at him, him looking down, and finally he spoke up. He had collected himself enough to think himself through it and said, I did this because this, this, and this. And then his father said, then I was able to help him. He said, I not only had to do that once, I'd done that numerous times. I've sat on his bed asking him for an answer and had to wait sometimes 45 minutes, three hours for him to respond. You know what he was teaching him? You better have an answer. And this ain't over until you give me an answer. You know where that comes from? Where that precedence is set? Raising children. You get a two-year-old, a three-year-old, you ask them a question, they need to respond. And if they don't, this is the hard part, training, you got to work with them until they do. It takes patience. Work with them. We don't want to work with them. We don't want to train them up in the way that they should go. We don't want to nurture them and admonish them. You know what we do? We leave them to themselves. And the Bible's already prophesied a child left to himself bringing his mother a shame. And boy, I get a lot of phone calls from shameful mothers. And I am telling you, those little three principles right there in that text you can train your children how to listen to God by one teaching them to listen for the voice of God they're with you you're not with them teach them to listen to the voice that means you're going to hear and obey have an outward focus have an outward service and then to teach them to communicate. You'll raise a lot better kids for it. 
Children don't just grow up and be great. There are exceptions to the rules. They're trained. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Some of these little things that children are being trained up to, when they become 30-year-old adults, it's not left them. And it's so hard to try to get that to change because it's already been set and cemented psychologically into the child. And not only are they no good for society, they're no good as husbands, they won't be any good for God until they repent. Come around. Now, it can be salvaged, but they're going to have to see that they need to get right. The result, he was an honorable person according to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. He was one that listened for the voice of God. He listened to the voice of God. And then he served God in a mighty way. When God talks about the prophets, he always starts it with Samuel. He didn't just wake up one day and become one. He had been trained. And that's what's behind the youth choir. That's what's behind Sunday school class. I want to try to help you train up your children in the way that they should go. I want to try to train them the more the Word of God and have the Word of God is precious to them. If it's not precious to you, it won't be precious to them. That one day God's going to come and speak to them and they need to be trained to listen for that. It'll be that still small voice in the heart. Let's all stand this morning.